Hey guys, welcome into the Between the Lines podcast with yours truly, Eric Schutzler. What in a wild offseason it's been in the NBA. Completely all over the place. Definitely one of the most intriguing and exciting offseasons this sport, and honestly the sporting world has ever seen. I've been wanting to give my reactions around big moves, small moves, underrated, overrated, and completely head-scratching like the fucking New York Knicks going out and signing four power forwards this summer, taking up all of their cap space, instead of going for Kyrie, Kemba, KD, who clearly both said, all said to themselves, yeah, we're good, fuck James Dolan. So on top of that, even further, um, some impressions around Summer League moving forward, um, players that stood out to me during that process with the championship ending the Summer League tonight, um, and then later on in the episode going into, I think everyone has seen at this point, the Area 51 memes, tweets, Facebook posts, Um, around people planning to storm Area 51 in September of this year. So I decided, let's make this an NBA edition. Who would play what part in this rushing of Area 51 from players around the association um, and why? So that should be an intriguing part of the podcast, um, and I think it'll be a very exciting part, so stay tuned. All right, let's get right into it. My big moves this offseason, most notably, I think is that the Celtics did not have to have Kyrie on their team ever again. Uh, Shout out to Bill Simmons, Ryan Rossillo, uh, many people around the sports industry that feel the same way. Um, I just think Kyrie really sucked up everything that the Celtics were about last year. And I think plopping Kemba right in there, um, who seems to be much more of a team-oriented guy than Kyrie. Um, I won't say that he's a more talented player than Kyrie, but uh, I just think he fits better with their scheming. Um, as well as I really think an underrated move for them was um, getting Ennis Cantor on a two for $10 million deal. Um, having him come in, slot into kind of the center role um, with Aaron Baines moving out as well as with Al Horford moving out, uh, providing some much needed offense. And hopefully, well, at this point, honestly, he's never going to be a good fucking defender. So moving on. Um, and then on top of that, uh, D'Angelo Russell moving to the Warriors. That was by far the most uh, astonishing move to me of the first kind of wave of free agency. The magic that Bob Myers is able to pull is unbelievable. Um, being able to do a sign and trade when KD is already one foot out the door and bring in an, you know, an all-star from the Brooklyn Nets. Um, that's a young, I believe 23 years old. Um, have him kind of come in and play the two guard or the one slot, have him play with Steph while Clay is hurt at the beginning of this year. Um, and then even play alongside those guys moving forward or be traded down the line, but just thought that was, once again, magic by Bob Myers as a GM over there in Golden State. Um, and then another move that they did as well I, I really liked was adding Willie Cauley-Stein on a minimum deal. Um, I think adding him in and, and slotting him in to play some, some minutes at center, a really athletic rim-running kind of uh, five that can really add a lot of value to their team. Um, another team that I really liked their offseason, um, my hometown here in Denver, um, I did not love picking up Paul Millsap, but I think that spoke to just keeping you know the status quo moving forward, a team that was very high in the Western Conference last year um, and aims to do so moving forward this next year. Um, but the two moves I really loved was, first off, stealing Bull Bull um, very late um, in the draft. I know he has injury concerns, but kind of having him be an injury project like a Michael Porter Jr., uh, shout out to my guy from Seattle, uh, my hometown as well. Um, and then also recently picking up Jeremy Grant from the OKC Thunder as they continue their exodus of their past team. Um, I think Jeremy really slots in great um, at the small forward slot, the four spot, 
um, can play a lot of different kinds of lineups with them um, and adds a lot of athleticism um, and shot blocking potential as well um, to a Nuggets team that um, can develop even further defensively. Um, another move that I really liked, wasn't really expecting the Detroit Pistons as the free agency has really been not a great spot for them over the past couple of years, but being able to get Derrick Rose, who played extremely well in Minnesota, if he can stay healthy, I think he's a much better point guard to be running kind of that offense with Blake and DeAndre, um, or excuse me, Andre uh, Drummond, um, than Reggie Jackson, just not a fan of Reggie's game, um, getting paid a ton of money and, and bringing in D Rose on a, on a pretty um, you know team conservative deal financially. Um, and then being able to also bring in Markeef, obviously, in my opinion, kind of the lesser of the two Morris brothers in terms of talent, um, but really, really great defensive player. I um, think being able to bring him in and bring in a name to come play in Detroit is, is important to them as well. Um, and then the last team that I really loved, some big moves of theirs was definitely the Indiana Pacers. You have to say that. Um, didn't love the sign and trade for Brogdon. I did like bringing him in, but I thought giving up a couple of picks um, over to Milwaukee is kind of a steep price to pay as well as paying him, you know, over $20 million annually. Um, but loved the trade of TJ Warren, not really having to give her up very much. Um, and then adding, you know, a sharpshooter in Jeremy Lamb, who has left the Hornets um, like everybody should be at this point. Um, and then really some overrated moves. Um, I think the big ones for me would be um, Bogdanovich and Conley joining the Jazz, but in a specific lane. Um, you know, I really think that the Jazz are going to be a great team. I really think they're going to be, you know, exceptional defensively, um, especially with Conley um, and Donovan Mitchell kind of running that backcourt. Um, I think they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. Um, maybe not in terms of standings since they were already good last year, but um, seeing kind of the sports pundits and people around ESPN, um, anything like that, really chatting about how the Jazz are, you know, silent Western Conference championship favorites, finals uh, contender favorites. Um, I really don't see that with that team. Um, I don't see a lot of depth really on that team. It's pretty, pretty top heavy, um, losing Derek Favors, um, losing a bunch of different players along that. Um, I do think they're going to be a great shooting team. Um, and I think they'll be really good defensively, but I just don't agree with the aspect of them being an NBA championship contender just yet. Um, unless Donovan Mitchell just goes absolutely crazy and becomes, you know, light D Wade basically going forward this year. Um, and then, like I chatted about in the opening, um, not really overrated, but just absolutely head-scratching and disheartening for everybody in the Bronx, any borough, um, really in New York, um, regardless of if they're Nets fans, I don't care. Um, the Knicks are just an absolute travesty. Um, I don't care what anyone says about, you know, James Dolan. I've seen that he, he takes care of his own players, anything like that. It's become abundantly clear that... Um, you know, no potential players of this generation and probably of younger generations really want to deal um, with the uncertainty and instability of the New York Knicks organization. Um, and it's been evidenced um, this offseason missing out on Kyrie, Kemba, Kemba being, you know, also from New York um, and Kyrie being from nearby, obviously in New Jersey. Um, he did grow up a Nets fan, but um, and then KD as well as, you know, other notable star free agents that they could have been targeting. Um, I did love the Julius Randle um, signing, um, being that it's a team option on the third year um, and a, at a pretty equitable kind of team value for um, the value of, of Julius Randle. I really think he's a great player. Um, I loved what he did in New Orleans. I really liked what he did in Los Angeles, too. Just don't think he was a good fit. Um, and then obviously with Zion coming into New, York, uh, New Orleans, 
Um, they don't really need two exact replicas of one another. Um, and yes, that's my comp for uh, Zion is a more athletic Julius Randle. Come at me. Um, and then moving forward, just, you know, Taj Gibson um, and then wildly getting Marcus Morris to leave the Spurs out of the blue. Did not love that move for Marcus going from, you know, a playoff contending team to a joke of a franchise that will be in the lottery again. Um, and I think it's just really sad um, for, you know, a player of R.J. Barrett's capabilities and even for, you know, a player like Mitchell Robinson, who I'd like to have, you know, more pieces around them. Um, you know, the Knicks will argue they brought in some veteran leadership in Taj and and other players within that kind of aspect. Um, but I just I don't see um, how you even have a semblance of competing. Um, and it's definitely disheartening for any Knicks fan. Um, and it's it's disheartening for a lot of NBA fans to have you know, a pretty moribund franchise with the Knickerbockers um, where the highlight really is just watching Walt Frazier on TV with his crazy ass suits. Um, and then on top of it, I've seen a lot of, of, of notes and work around um, the OKC Thunder. Um, I am absolutely loving this off season. I am from Seattle. Originally I live here in Denver, uh, but obviously being from Seattle, I have some bitterness. Um, I think it's, you know, for being OKC, call it ego or anything, I, I thought I was I was okay with with them having a good team because you know obviously they don't really have a lot of other things really great to do in Oklahoma City other than watch their professional basketball team. But um, I think they finally get what they deserve from from really from Seattle people. Obviously, we could have done more to to support them in Seattle, but um, seeing them kind of go through some some pains and struggles that we went through instead of competing year in year out since they had left us. Um, I think is good to see. And my least favorite player in the league now is on the Thunder and probably will be traded. But um, if CP3 does stay there, I just think the irony in that for me would be absolutely hilarious. Um, pretty clear that Westbrook and Paul George may be buddies off the court, but really didn't work well together on the court and realized that their championship potential would have to be elsewhere. It would not be together. Um, and Presti just said, fuck it. I'm imploding this entire thing. I'm going to stockpile draft picks to 2026 when I sure as hell won't be the GM, which, yeah, there's no way he's going to be the GM that long. Um, I don't understand um, the love for Sam Presti comparatively. I think a lot of those picks, you know, coming from the Lakers, um, from the Clippers, um, a lot of different franchises like that, even Denver um, and the Rockets picks that they're getting. And I believe they actually got Lakers picks. So scratch that. Um, but all of those picks that they're going to be getting moving forward, unless those teams absolutely implode over the next coming years, those are going to be, you know, late first round picks from, you know, 15 onward um, towards the end of the draft, um, where obviously the, the talent pool in terms of getting a superstar is, is a little bit harder to find. Um, Kawhi Leonard, most notably, I think is the last one at, at pick 15. Um, but it's a definitely a more difficult kind of route um, to go. Um, so I think that that is a little bit overrated in terms of their stockpiling of picks. Um, I would tagline off of what Jalen Rose and, and many other people have said if they need to package those picks and go get a star like a Bradley Beal from Washington who's clearly trying to move forward and stockpile draft picks of their own and rebuild from scratch. Um, I think that would be a smarter move for OKC. Um, and then as well, I just think just the irony of having CP3's horrendous contract on their books. Um, I'll be interested to see if, if Miami takes the bait of, of taking him on. Um, but I just think they're in, they're in a bit of a disarray at this point. Um, I think the only saving grace was, was being able to get Shea Gilgis-Alexander from, from the Clippers, who I think could be a really great NBA player here in the league.
And I think this Westbrook CP3 situation really deserves its own segment. Uh, obviously, with Paul George being shipped out of Oklahoma City, um, Westbrook really was in, you know, I need to leave now mood. Um, being able to get out of Oklahoma City, I know he loves the loves the city, but he wants to compete. Um, so being able to to move over to you know his ex teammate and really close friend James Harden um, in a good city like Houston um, is obviously you know a better situation than than being on kind of a moribund and and kind of dying franchise and and um, rebuilding franchise like the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, clearly. Regardless of what Daryl Morey or anyone from the Houston Rockets organization said to dispel ESPN, uh, Ringer, uh, anybody with a Bleacher Report, Barstool, whoever was reporting on the discord between CP3 and Harden, um, clearly Morey was lying through his teeth in terms of saying that, you know, this is the team we want to run it back with. Um, we don't really believe in, in the kind of, you know, issues or... Um, reported issues of this organization. There was clearly issues between James Harden and CP3. I mean, you saw it many times throughout the season. There clearly was obviously stuff in the locker room that a lot of teammates and people are hiding um, from the public limelight, which which makes sense. Um, but this move says it all. Um, shipping him off to Oklahoma City. Um, and now I, I really don't know where he goes from here. Um, I think Westbrook and CP3 have two of the worst contracts in the league. Um, luckily, Westbrook is four years younger than Chris Paul. Um, but they're both going to be making in excess of $40 million a year against the cap. Um, both have some slight, um, or not slight, uh, but Westbrook has some slight injury concerns. CP3 gets injured more than anyone I know. Um, he's pretty much like every um you know, dying horse at a at, at runway we've been hearing from. Can't remember the name of it, but um, that's basically Chris Paul every time we go to the offseason. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. I think CP3 in Miami would be interesting. Um, I don't know if Pat Riley makes that move just because of it really, really caps them um, against the cap moving forward um, in terms of a salary kind of standpoint. Um, and then I'm not sure that that's what they're looking to do. Um, I've seen things floating around of CP3 getting bought out and joining the Lakers. I, as a fan of, of drama and beef and in the association, would love that because I would love to see what then happens with Rajon Rondo's contract with the Lakers. Um, do they immediately trade him? I don't think they want uh, you know a situation like where we were looking back with, with the early 2000s Wizards with Gilbert Arenas um, and Javaris Crittenden or anyone like that. Um, bringing guns into the locker room, but CP3 and Rondo absolutely fucking hate each other. So I just don't see that one working out long term. Um, and I just think that that's that's kind of the last big move, the last shoe to fall will be what happens with Chris Paul. I'm not sure if they'll be able to move him before the, this season starts. I could see him getting flipped, you know, to a contender or somebody in December when these new contracts are official against the cap and can be traded. Um, I think that that's more likely um, at this point, as I think he would have been traded by now. Um, but we'll see moving forward. Um, but as I said before, I absolutely love to see the Thunder kind of spinning their wheels as, you know, Seattle Sonics born and bred fan um, and having them deal with one of the most whiny and complaining uh, players in the NBA within CP3 and dealing with paying him $40 million a year on top of that. So good luck with that, Sam Presti. Good luck with that. Clay Bennett, anyone um, over there at the uh, OKC Thunder, um, have fun with that bullshit. And now for Summer League impressions. Uh, the big ones for me, obviously, 
the summer league needs to be abolished. Um, the second that Zion went down with the bullshit knee injury, which is something we see tremendously year after year, is a player highly touted like Zion coming into summer league that has been going through the media racket, hasn't really been working out, hasn't really been practicing. They'll bang knees with somebody one time or they'll not even roll an ankle, but maybe tweak something in the locker room or bust a toenail. Um, and immediately the press conferences, they're done for the entire summer league, which to be honest, really kills the momentum of anything within the summer league. I think the only reason that Zion even played a single game was because the Knicks were the first game and they wanted to see Zion versus RJ Barrett being Duke teammates. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, the summer league is just, it's pretty boring other than really getting to see kind of middle of the tier player, middle tier players or people kind of fighting for a roster spot. Um, people trying to, to really get up at there um, within the league and, and guys that are late first round tricks trying to prove that they can get some minutes moving forward into training camp and moving forward. So um, the big ones that stood out to me um, was definitely Nikhil Alexander Walker. Um, I think a lot of people are talking about him right now. Um, my comp for him for sure would be Shea Gilgis Alexander. He reminds me a lot of him, just a cerebral passer. Um, I think a pretty good scorer, um, pretty decent shooter as well out of Virginia Tech. Um, and I just think across the board, I think he's going to be a really excellent player to be able to learn under the tutelage of Drew Holiday in New Orleans, um, be playing and, and hopefully getting some minutes um, with Lonzo Ball and, and Drew in that backcourt um, and you know Josh Hart as well as um, some other guys within the guards um, group there. Um, I think that he deserves to get some minutes down in New Orleans. Um, he's a really great player. Um, but yeah, he reminds me a lot of Shea Gilgis Alexander um, in the summer. Really showed that with some amazing left-handed passes through the lane to Jackson Hayes, who I'll chat further about as well. But um, obviously, um, even further, I think Carson Edwards from the Celtics. I really loved that pick. Um, obviously, everybody saw Carson when he was playing at Purdue, um, led them to you know Final Four, um, deep, deep, deep playoff run in March Madness, um, and played out of his mind. Um, but clearly not out of his out of his talent or out of his mind in that aspect. Um, he's really backing it up. I know that the summer league is not you know the same as NBA talent, but um, it's definitely a step up um, from a traditional college experience or anything like that. Um, and I think that he's really showing out. Um, he's been an amazing three point um, prowess for them in the uh, in summer league so far. Um, you know, dumping off. It's pretty easy to pass to to guys like Taco Fall or Grant Williams. Um, underneath who the Celtics have had some really great players. Um, they just got bounced out of the summer league a couple of nights ago, but I really like Carson as, as kind of a, you know, a Lou Williams kind of a come in and heated up um, player, uh, maybe not to the same uh, to uh, talent as, as Lou. And I think he's a better point guard, but um, I think that Carson's going to definitely have some, some good minutes uh, moving forward on the Celtics um, with them losing Terry Rozier as a backup. I think they're going to really need him behind Kemba. Um, and then I have to shout out my fucking guy, Matisse Thibel. Uh, Matisse and I went to high school together um, out at Eastside Catholic in Seattle. Um, this is one of the nicest kids. Um, but more than that, the, not just that this kid is one of the nicest people I've met regardless of within sports, uh, media, um, anything like that I've done in my life. Um, Matisse is a hell of a talent um, and is definitely one of the better defenders I've seen come out in the past couple of years um, and I know a lot of you know critics or anything like that are going to say well you know Matisse played in a zone at the University of Washington how is he going to compete in a man-to-man -man? 
Um, and I think it's definitely going to be somewhat of an adjustment, but just the athleticism, the long arms of Matisse, and just the defensive IQ of him um, really stood out, um, especially um, their first couple of games in the Summer League. They didn't play super well um, as a team, but I think him playing with Shake Milton, um, you know, a bunch of different players on the Philadelphia 76ers team, which, which candidly I don't remember a lot of their names, and we probably will never hear their names again for some of them. Um, but Matisse can clearly become a 3 and D player, being a knockdown 3 and D player. Um, I heard a lot of people comparing him to Andre Roberson, players like that. I think Matisse is a better offensive player than that and will be eventually. Um, he definitely has the work ethic and talent um, and has the right head on his shoulders. Um, and I know that I'm definitely biased to the situation, but um, I thought he showed um, during Summer League why the 76ers would have traded with the Celtics to get him on their team. Um, I think he can be a valuable bench asset for them with them being absolutely fully loaded um, coming here into the next season. Um, and then another player that was really intriguing to me that um, isn't getting a ton of press um, was Keldon Johnson um, on the San Antonio Spurs. Um, he blew up for 30 and had a couple of nights um, within kind of the 20-point range. He just strikes me as a really great pure scorer. Um, I really love his game. He's very fluid. Um, not only as a scorer, I think he's a pretty underrated um, passer within that right. I think he's a pretty good defender. Um, obviously, this is all kind of coming from his college days more comparatively to the summer league, but um, I think he really could be a valuable asset. Um, the only thing that uh, that worries me is about being on the Spurs is, you know, you have Lonnie Walker, who was injured all of last season, who's going to be coming in and getting some minutes behind DeMar. Um, I think DeJounte Murray coming back takes some, some minutes from a point guard perspective and a guard perspective. Patty Mills, um, Bryn Forbes, um, a lot of guys in the Spurs. It's kind of a log jam from a guard perspective, um, but I really, really like Keldon's game. Um, I would like to have seen him probably on a different team to get some more minutes, maybe, you know, the Hawks or something like that, um, or the Knicks, I guess, except I wouldn't wish that upon anyone, as you've heard me talk about them before. I'm not going to get heated up again, so we're going to move forward. Uh, and then Jackson Hayes um, from the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, I think he's getting a lot of hype, obviously, for that dunk over whoever the fuck that kid was on the Bulls Summer League team. Uh, it was absolutely disgusting. No regard for human life. Um, he's just an absolutely beautiful athlete. I've heard he has some of the best hands. People are comparing his hands to Amari Stoudemire. Um, I've heard people talk about the day. Uh, I think it was Amin El Hassan on the jump. Um, and Amin knows more than anyone um, about Amari Stoudemire. So um, I think that's uh, pretty reputable hands to or reputable uh, mouth to be coming from on that side. But just seriously, what a fucking athlete this kid is. Um, he really reminds me a lot of Jarrett Allen. Um, I don't think his game is as developed. Obviously, Jarrett's a couple years into the league. Um, but I, I think the ceiling for a player like Jackson Hayes is a little higher. I think he's a little bit more mobile. Um, I see him as kind of a unique four or five kind of spot guy. Um, and I just think athletically and fluidly, um, he's been a really, really great player. Um, so those are kind of the guys that stood out, uh, excuse me, stuck out to me um, during the summer league. Obviously, players like Taco Fall, um, you know, he's a hype sensation, obviously, for his name. Um, he is a great player. Um, I don't know if he's really going to, he's on an exhibit 10-day contract or was with the Celtics. I don't know if they're going to be signing him to a two-way or whatever. Um, since they've had a lot of different draft picks like Trey Waters and anything like that going on. Um, but I think Taco Fall definitely deserves a look at a, at a two-way contract in the league. Um, but yeah, he played he played well. Um, there's definitely been some other players. And then the last thing I have to mention was, uh, especially since the Grizzlies are in the championship tonight, my fucking guy, Grayson Allen. Oh my God. Like, 
I just don't get it. This kid, and this is coming from another hothead as well. So I shout, shout out to you, Grayson. I understand what it's like. But on a national stage, this guy has been seen tripping players in, at Duke, I think three times, if not more. Um, but three very notable times getting suspensions, um, being talked down um, from, from Coach K and, and from the team at Duke. Um, and then even in his time early on, um, you know, scrapping it up with Trey Young in summer league last year. Um, and I know that, you know, he's been traded from the Utah Jazz now to the Grizzlies as, as kind of bait with that Conley. Um, and I know that that kind of sucks. I mean, both those cities aren't awesome, but I think I'd prefer to live in Utah um, in Salt Lake City rather than in Memphis. Um, and it's definitely a better team. But uh, I think that might be a part of the frustration. But my God, the way that he swiped at Grant Williams on that second, um, I thought that, you know, kind of tie up on the first of him shoving him. Yeah, it was immature and it looked stupid, but if it had stopped there, whatever. The second one, it happened, you know, two minutes later after they basically reviewed to give the kid a technical, to give Grayson a technical. And then he comes in with basically a closed fist swipe at Grant Williams, who comparatively, Grant's going to rock the shit out of Grayson Allen in a street fight. So... I know that this is the NBA. No one ever wants to fight, but like Grayson Allen, I, you know, shout outs to you, my guy. You clearly don't give a flying fuck about opinions. Uh, I think you should absolutely be getting uh, your own podcast on Barstool Sports or The Ringer or whatever, kind of these off the beaten paths. Um, but you are an absolute enigma as a player. Um, I love it personally. You remind me of kind of Kyrgios as a tennis player. Um, to give you a weird kind of sports comp, uh, but you are just the most interesting kind of personality we have for someone that's really not that great in an NBA sense. Um, you know, I, you're a young player, but um, we'll see how it goes moving forward. But I just had to mention that and have a little bit of a rant about it because it's just hilarious to see him. Um, and I just think there's a lot of aspects to it um, that really boils down as to why Grayson Allen is so hated um, in the basketball community. All right, all right, all right. It is time for the Area 51 NBA edition rush to the finish line. Uh, so what we're going to start off here is within four real categories. The pawns or the guys that you know, you're going to have the front line of defense that are going to be going in, kind of your grunts that right off the bat are going to be going in and doing a lot of the fighting. And then you're going to have distractions that are, are there the, to distract the guards that aren't really there to fight, kind of like the peacemakers per se. Um, and then the heavy hitters. Um, the heavy hitters are going to be a big aspect to it as well. Um, the guys that are coming in, bringing the real firepower are going to be taking out the guards, um, getting us to the prize source of the aliens and being able to liberate them. Um, and then lastly, the first fourth subject is really, sorry for laughing, uh, who is going to die first? Uh, that's a very important subject. Who's going to be the first ones right off the rip that are getting taken out? Um, so let's start with the pawns. Obviously, the first one that comes to mind for me is Patrick Beverly. Um, this guy is an absolute uh, firepower in terms of a dynamo, in terms of just pissing off everybody in the entire league. Um, so I can only imagine the kind of energy and bulldog nature that he would have rushing Area 51. Um, being able to go in there, beating the shit out of guards left and right. Um, I really think that he would kind of be, uh, he would definitely be wearing a fucking headband like Rambo. 
going in there, uh, muddying up, going through the trenches, uh, leading the team that that probably isn't really following him directly, but he believes that he's follow- that they're following him. Um, so Patrick Beverly was my number one pick for that. Um, and then the other two picks were Rajon Rondo and CP3. And yes, I know I chatted about this earlier in the show when I talked about the potential of CP3 being bought out and joining the Lakers. The big thing about this is is Rondo and CP3 might actually kill each other first. They they might not actually kill anyone, but if they're able to harness that negative energy towards one another and towards really the world, um, since both of them seem to have clear issues with that, um, I think that both of them moving forward uh, are going to be an amazing kind of frontline offense for us. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, on the back end, a little bit worried that they might actually fucking kill one another. So uh, that's a good point. Um, and then lastly, Draymond Green. Uh, Draymond Green is a notorious guy that kicks people in the nuts, most notably LeBron. Um, but I think he's going to go in there, have his nut kicking powers, you know, on on 150,000 uh, percent. He's going to be rushing right into the front, um, t- kicking out every single guard. Um, so definitely wanted him on the front line. Um, as for our distractions, my number one distraction, of course, is Zion. Uh, everyone will be in awe of him. They're going to just set up a, a, you know, kind of a shitty, you know, chain link uh, hoop right in front of the Area 51 and have Zion just do a dunk show that distracts enough guards so that we can kind of sneak in from one side. Um, that will definitely be one of our biggest distractions. Um, on top of that, uh, I think just putting Ben Simmons literally in front of the gate would be enough of a distraction. Um, if any of the guards know the NBA, um, or even if they don't, um, having this guy shoot a jump shot over and over, um, a guy that now is a $170 million man with this new contract that was signed, he's a 6'10 athletic freak that really hasn't proved shit in terms of other than pure athleticism and passing. Um, He's still got a lot of ways to go. I think that he distracts me when I'm out on the court. Or excuse me, when I'm watching. I'm not out on the court. Uh, When I'm watching the 76ers play, he's an absolute distraction for me. Um, He leaves me wanting more every time that I watch him. Um, So I can only imagine the distraction he will provide in this this case. And then, of course, Steph Curry shooting threes over and over. Have him hit like 600 in a row. Um, they'll just be an absolute awe, kind of like Zion. You know what? We'll have Zion on one end of the court and we'll have Curry on the other. And it'll be kind of like its own Harlem Globetrotters event right there. Um, and then lastly, um, we're going to set up a kind of a, a stage, kind of like the Yuma tent um, at Coachella um, or the, uh, the Disco Lab or anything like that. Um, and have Kyrie doing uh, a meditation mindfulness TED Talk uh, and have him just rant for however the hell long he wants. I think he could do it for days. Um, about mindfulness and about being, you know, one true self and all of that kind of, you know, Tony Robbins bullshit. Um, have him just go on with that and have the guards either completely enamored by him that it's Kyrie Irving um, talking about all this stuff or just absolutely laughing at everything he has to say um, because he's basically just a walking version of his own Instagram um, at, every, at every point of the day. And then the heavy hitters, uh, the big ones that came out to me off the bat, the Morris twins, Markeith and Marcus. Um, I just think that they're the two toughest dudes in the league. Uh, I would not fuck with them in a dark alley. Uh, I don't think anyone really would. Um, and I would love for them to be the ones carrying basically like a Kimbo M16s just running in and just spraying down everybody. Um, and then Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, and the Greek Feek. Um, I'm going to nerd out for a moment. If you've seen Lord of the Rings and you remember the Ents, 
Um, those are the trees from the Lord of the Rings um, that charge Sauron's um, uh, and Solomon's uh, um, castle and being able to go in um, as basically the trees. I think that that will be Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, and the Greek Freak. Um, so that, that rounds out kind of our heavy hitters. Um, and then I, I saved this one for you guys because I think it's really, really important. LeBron fucking James is just going to be a battering ram that runs right through the entire heart of Area 51, and he will be half the reason we even win the battle. Um, so that just had to be said. Um, and then the commander-in-chief will be Steve Kerr. He'll be back at the base. Um, however, I don't think he's going to be really running in and doing a lot of the combat. Um, and as Nick Young has told us, he'll be probably rolling a blunt quite efficiently. Um, so I think he'll be in the back smoking up um, and just basically running the show and, and being the commander in the back. Um, and then who dies first? My big ones would have to be, actually, I'm going to go back and as I'm saying this, I'm going to say it's Chris Paul because if anyone is going to die first, it's going to be the guy that gets his hamstrings shot out by an imaginary sniper in every Western Conference final or Western Conference semi. It's definitely going to be Chris Fall. He's going to injure his hamstring and get shot down in three seconds. He will be the first one to die. And then, so he's not really a great pawn, but I guess he can be a shooting target. Sorry, sorry, Chris. Um, and then who is the next person to die? I would say probably John Wall. Um, you know, he is opt injured. 24-7, uh, you know, there really isn't a ton of value to him other than just being injured and, and being an enigma in the locker room. Um, and I think he'd just piss off enough people. He'd probably die first. Um, and then I'm just going to pile on at this point, the whole fucking Knicks organization. James Dolan's going to get shot. Like, he won't even be in the, the literal area. He'll be like 700 miles away, and they will purposely go for James Dolan. Um, and then the entire Knicks team, because there's not a lot of talent. I think RJ will sneak through the cracks. He'll, he'll make his way out. But other than him, I think everybody else, unfortunately, on the Knicks is probably going to go. Um, so, yeah, that's my Area 51 uh, downgrade of, of how things are going to go. Um, I would love to hear feedback on any of these or, you know, new sections that you guys want uh, added to this or who you would add to the ponds, distractions, heavy hitters, dies first or... Or LeBron fucking James. Um, so yeah, that's that's the end of the podcast. I'm going to keep it short today, guys. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, this is the first one. Um, and there'll be more going forward. So look forward to that. Um, and hopefully you guys comment on it. And looking forward to it. Thanks.